nice to be here. We first came to Red Bluff in January of 1982. Pastored the Church of God for nine years, and then birthed the vineyard here. So it's a joy and privilege to be with you today, to see familiar friends and faces, lifelong uh, partners in ministry here. I was so blessed by a couple that came today that I married years ago and haven't seen since then. And now it's just my privilege to again speak to you. I trust that the Holy Spirit again confirm the things I'm about to say to each of you. So God bless you. And uh, I'd like to be 30 minutes, but if I'm longer, uh, I'll be leaving town right after, so you won't have to worry. But as the as I thought about preaching here, I think this is only the maybe third or fourth time since I retired in 2016 when I've had the opportunity to preach. Uh, and so I gave some real thought as to what I could say, uh, but I couldn't not consider what has happened in the last 18 months and realize it wouldn't be of much of a service to you if I didn't at least share some words about it. I put some words there on the screen that have described some of the goings on, not just in our community, in our nation, in the world around. Uh, you know, I've traveled all over places, and most recently I traveled to China for seven, eight times. And I hit, I get, my wife hit webpage information from them, and much of what has transpired for us has transpired for them. Time of distraction, disruption, discontent, even disillusionment. Have you felt detached? Like, even, you know, even Facebook, it comes across as being connected, but there's a little distance that's gone on that's often led to depression, uh, even death and disconnection, disconnection. And so I pose this question to myself, has all that even occurred in the bubble of a church life? And I think we can say yes. So let me give you a little bit of history. How many of you know that the church is pretty big? It's like way bigger than some of our own experiences with. But just to give you a clue, I was born in the Philippines, and so I was born a Catholic. My dad's uh, dad was a Catholic cantor. But then he converted to Protestantism. So he threw him out of the church, and guess what he did? He went across the street and built the church. <laughs> I went there a few years ago, looked in the back of the wall, and there was my last name and my grandmother's last name. And my dad is, of course, a military person, and so as I was growing up, wherever we went, we became whatever the chaplain was. Just to give you an idea, I was sprinkled, poured, and dumped. 
I've had every form of baptism possible. I have a fond affection for all those who comprise the body of Christ. Whether you're a Catholic, whether you're a Protestant, whether you're mainstream, uh, or I grew up in a holiness movement like the Quakers and like the Nazarenes and the Church of God down the street that I pastored for nine years. And then I also discovered the vineyard and became not only an evangelical, but a charismatic evangelical. And so you recognize that so much of our world is a big, huge bubble. And in that big, huge bubble are a lot of little bubbles, right? We live in a concentric bubbles, a wide one, the earth, a little one. Here's a picture of my uh, extended family that we hear from my uh, retirement party, my brother, two brothers and his family. And we're kind of a bubble. We'll call the Agara bubble, you know. Um, but I didn't realize until I retired that there's another bubble. It's called the 24-7 bubble with the same person. And you would have thought it had been a real comfortable bubble, but, you know, when you have a 74-year-old grumpy diabetic who happens to also be an introvert married to a talkative, outgoing, always busy extrovert, that's a recipe for conflict, tension, and even chaos sometimes. And so whenever life gets kind of crowded for us and you come to our house, you'll realize that I've gravitated to the television room to watch my sports. And she has gravitated to the living room on her keyboard playing hymns and worship songs. But what I'll tell you is, however, that there's more to us than those things that make us distinctively different. And there's more to us than the things that bring us into this Smaller bubble. I'm so glad that my grandkids are here. Uh, Kate and Reno. And it's like old times in many ways. It reminds me of that little bubble. But how many of you know that bubbles can burst? Big bubbles, even little bubbles can burst. Sometimes they burst from intrusion, from the outside in, like a disease or a distress or criminal activity. I should probably tell you this. The stuff you see on TV about Portland is only half truth. That's like four blocks downtown. That's not the city of Portland. But you can have the burst occur because something has broken into your life, into your safe little environment, or you can have the bubble Burst from inside, from some implosion of division and sin and discord and opinion. And, all, and I don't know about you, but I really tire at some of the divisive things that have been said from both ends of the spectrum, whether it's politics or even in the church. We're made for better things than that. It wouldn't be fair for me not to kind of tell you how I processed these last 18 months by not everything that I've written, but the little snippets that I write from time to time. I have a whole 
wild walks of stuff as I wake up one morning being somewhat inspired by. But let me just kind of tell you some of the thoughts in the last uh, 18 months of this COVID pandemic for me. In February of 2020, 25th, I wrote, Indulgences, particularly pleasure, guilty pleasures, open the door to abuse and addiction. And restraint, discipline, and moderation result in wholeness and wellness. You know, when you kind of get a little bit uh, bored or a little bit disconnected from life, you think you need a little guilty pleasure to make you feel better. You know, some of them. And then pretty soon the pleasures become an addiction. And then abuse. When a time is required, when that temptation occurs, is to reestablish restraint, discipline, and moderation. To be whole, future persons again. A month later I wrote, Fear and panic are evil's instruments to destroy faith and courage. How many of you have been afraid? How many of you have seen people afraid? You know, in Oregon, we still wear our masks at the mall. Now, I've been triple vaccinated, and I'm still wearing my mask at the mall. So fear and panic, real or imagined, can soak deeply into our lives and cause us to be disconnected. You walk down, I, you know, I walk all the time because I'm into that walk down the street and all of a sudden come, a person's coming to you and all of a sudden they move over to the other side of the street. And I'm thinking, will I ever connect with that person again? May of 2020, I wrote, in the midst of wilderness filled with panic, paranoia, and pandemic, hubris is displayed in arrogance, conceit, pride. Oh, it's okay, you know, it's not as bad as it might be, and you know, things are getting, you know what hubris is? Hubris is this exaggerated sense of selfishness, self-observation. But I've discovered that it's only through humility and courage that you can find a remedy. The problem isn't out there all the time. Sometimes it's right here. And admitting the problem admitting the part you play in, admitting how you facilitate it, confessing, trying to have the courage to be a remedy to the situation. We were walking down the mall one day with our masks on, and I took Maxine to China in 2017, and we're walking, and this little kid comes up with his mask, comes running up, and he comes up to Maxine, and he says, Ni hao! That's the Chinese greeting. So this little 10-year-old kid with his mask on wants so much to connect, so he says, hello, in Mandarin. Ni hao. It was like a, it's a moment of joy to hear that. I wrote in later in March of this last, uh, last year, this year, the virus that wrecks havoc and distrust in the human experience is sin. Any of you know the variance of sin? Like, have you ever had a problem with lust? How about gluttony? Boy, that was really a big thing this year when you couldn't go anywhere to eat. And so you stuffed yourself at home, bored. 
that dream was love. Just sitting around, uh, watching multiple episodes of whatever it is on the TV, because you couldn't get out run or exercise. I think one of the things that really annoys me is the amount of anger that's perpetrated in the current culture, back and forth, left and right, mean-spirited, one of envy, and of course, we all have issues with pride. How many of you realize that sometimes the one thing that speaks in all the arguments and discourse is nothing more than exaggerated pride? Like, I know better than you do. I'm smarter than you do. My, my opinion's much more reasonable than yours is. And so pride lifts up its head, and we have this noise and chatter that's so meaningless in the end. If I painted a pretty accurate picture of how the world can become, and not just the world, but we Christians, we can buy into that stuff. We can participate in that stuff. Unless you think that maybe we are the only time in all of history has had to deal with some sort of stuff like this. Maybe you should read Paul in some of his epistles. And so I'm going to quote from one small little text today and challenge you in some way to be a little bit of a cure for the stuff that goes on. You know, when I talked about Maxine and I, you know, she's from West Virginia. You know what that is? That's a hillbilly. Yeah, I'm a traveled Filipino who's seen the world. You know, one of, the, one of the challenges I have is I have a hearing issue. So I have hearing aids. And Maxine has a talking gift. And sometimes she talks to herself. She'll read a recipe. I'll be in one room, and she's reading it out loud. And I'm saying, I can't hear you. And she's I'm not talking to you. You know? And so... That's a small little bubble. Multiply that by the big bubble in the world. I don't know about you, but this information glut's driving me crazy. I'm exposed to all kinds of stuff all the time, 24-7. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Paul was the same way. Near the end of his ministry, all the traveling he did, all the churches he planted... He wrote a letter to a church in Corinth because there was stuff going on in Corinth. It was not good stuff. There were people bickering. There were people expressing their particular gifts in exorbitant kinds of ways. And so somewhere in Macedonia, he scripted a letter. And he begins the letter. I won't read the whole text because I want to be done in 30 minutes. Uh, but in he says at the start of... 2 Corinthians 4, uh, he says, Therefore, 
since God through mercy has given us this ministry, we do not lose heart. Have you ever lost heart a little bit this past year about stuff? So he knew that the sense of losing heart and not being connected and not being fully engaged and fully participatory was pervading not just the culture but the church itself. And the latter part of that same chapter, he repeats that again, where he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, why? Why do you not lose heart when everything around you is going crazy and there's no way for you to fix it? How do you lose heart when you feel alone and desperate and disconnected? Well, let me tell you, this is... I know why she and I don't lose heart when we have our moments. It's not because we've adjusted some sort of moderate behavior. It's because there's something in her and there's something in me that when push comes to shove, when things get crazy, it's the thing that stands back up and says, Hello! It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 12. I'm not sure I quote all of this here, but enough. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down in our body, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also revealed in our body. So then death is at work in us. He's talking about his struggles, but life in you. Why? Because the very life of Jesus is in you. And it's his life in us that allows us to circumvent all the stuff that goes on, even the close-end stuff that's annoying and difficult to deal with. Let me quote from Chinese pastor years ago, Watchman Nee, who wrote, the special characteristic of this earthen vessel is that the treasure has been put into it. The treasure transcends and oversends the earthen vessel and manifests itself from that vessel. That is the meaning of being Christian. How many of you know that uh, we Christians aren't perfect? Hello? We got stuff that we're working through. Hopefully, some stuff we're a lot better at than we used to be at. But we're this incredible, for lack of a term, inobvious appearance of the presence of Jesus. There are times we don't even look like Jesus, act like Jesus, or talk like Jesus. But the reality is that if the treasure of his life is in you, be the power and person of the Holy Spirit. See, I call the Holy Spirit the present presence of God in us. 
This treasure came as a gift. It's God's grace, his unmerited favor to us was offered to us. And I don't cheat. I'm far from perfect. In fact, you know what? I really, I really get, had my issues with God when he caused me to get, well, he didn't cause me. He let me have diabetes. Because I could be really grumpy and not know I'm grumpy. You know? How many of you diabetics know that? Yeah. You know, you're cruising along life and you're doing good. And all of a sudden, your, your wife says, oh, what's wrong with you? We've been grumpy for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> That's part of it. And I've often said, God, why did you? And he said, well, you know, you know stuff you ate and you shouldn't have been eating it. It wasn't me. It was you. But in the end, after 54 years of marriage, five incredible kids, and daughters at home, a son and wife, and eight, eight, nine, nine incredible grandkids. I can't tell you the amount of grace that God has given to me and to us. And we hope that in some way we've been able to translate that grace into behavior, into presence. I won't read this particular text. It's found in Galatians chapter 5. I think it's 22 to 23. You know what these are? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What does the treasure of grace in the middle of a pandemic of suffering and disconnection look like? This is what it should look like for you and I. Amid all the chaos that we practice what this Holy Spirit presence nurtures and evokes out of us when we come in tension and conflict with not only the pandemic, but persons impacted by that pandemic. Don't give me a few more. I think I'm going to be flying closer. Thanksgiving's coming, right? I think it might be a good idea if we bake the pie. A fruit pie. Made of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And suppose that we would bake that pie and we would eat it. And by the good fortune, we would become what we ate. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Wouldn't it be refreshing when somebody comes at you with some sense of anger and frustration, wanting you to join in that anger, but instead you bring peace? What if somebody comes at you with their opinion and, and they argue with you and they debate with you and they drive you almost insane with the rhetoric and the vitriol? 
and you offer them patience. Just wait. Let it play out. How many of you know that lies and half-truths always destroy themselves in the end? And if you have the patience to wait through them, to think through them, if you have the patience to wait and the kindness to offer to those who are caught up in the vitriol of this world, maybe, just maybe, when their voice is exhausted, you'll find the time and patience to offer kindness and goodness and gentleness. You know, I wish there was a way that we could bottle self-control and give it to each other. You know, just a little more self-control. You see, my challenge to you is go and be the treasure of grace inside of you. I probably put it this way. I think I think this I said the same thing last week. I preached in Portland, at Portland Vineyard. This week, if you pay attention, and if God directs you the way He does, He'll lead you somewhere who needs some of that. And do you have the courage to be that for them? You know, my my remarks about Robert yesterday were posed on this thought. Robert was a gift to me. You know, when you play, as I say, it's more than 2,400 rounds of nine-hole golf. With <laughs> he was my golf partner. He was my gift. But he was not just a gift to me. He had a gift he gave to me. What gift do you have? Who in your life this week will come across your path in need, not just of you, but of something you have to give to them? Maybe you need to give them patience. Maybe gentleness. Yeah, maybe your gift is a gift of encouragement or the gift of mercy with the gift of kindness. You know, I guess in surmising I would say, it's crazy out there. Stop. It's crazy in here. What would happen if we decided there was something deeper than in the air, deeper even in this atmosphere, deep inside us, called the treasure deposited in us, the person of the Holy Spirit who nurtures the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in us. And all he wants to do is for you to be an open vessel like the conduit from which his love and mercy flow to those out there in need. Here's what I've learned. Sometimes I've learned that in being and giving a little kindness, I actually be a little kinder. I don't know. That's a that's a strange that's a strange phenomenon. You know, here. You know what my joy is today? Because I, again, let me talk. 
We walk the mall. I, I, I walk seven miles a day to deal with my diabetes, okay? And the mall is a wonderful place when the weather's bad and it's rainy. And my joy is walking around seeing toddlers and young infants. I don't, yeah, I make it. I, I make it a habit. If I see a biracial couple with a biracial child, you know what I tell them? I say, you know what? Biracial kids are the kids. I have them. <laughs> when I see them. And the diversity and the distinction that they have only enamors me to this great God who's created all of this. That we would be good stewards of what he's given to us through the gifts that we have. So I'm going to conclude by saying this. Go and be. Go and be. Don't be me. Be you with your gifts. So I'm going to kind of conclude. If we could have maybe uh, our guitars kind of just strum the guitars a little. I'm going to invite you in this brief time of ministry to open yourself up. How many of you know? Uh, how many of you know that you don't get filled with the Holy Spirit once? You get filled as often as you ask Him to fill you. And so this we're going to ask. I don't know what your circumstance is. I'm not sure what you're dealing with or, or uh, easy or hard. But I'm going to invite you to stand and put yourself in a position to receive. And I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would pour into you such, such an incredible amount of his presence in you. And that his presence will stir the fruit of the Spirit in you. And you know, I've learned over the years, especially when I became a vineyard, that the Holy Spirit prompts things in us in all kinds of ways. To be playing head, whenever I put myself in this posture and, he, and I prompt him, <laughs> you know, pretty soon I really realize he's trying to pour something into me. So close your eyes for just a minute. Think about your life, what's available to you. Open your hands and your heart and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come, sweet Holy Spirit, and pour again into us the incredible freshness of your present presence. And when life gets chaotic and difficult, Remind us again that we have this treasure in this earthen vessel, which is the life of Jesus and the present presence of his Holy Spirit. And he will pour into us more of the stuff we need to be who you made us to be, to do what you gifted us and empowered us to do. We pray, God, that in ways that we were never qualified or gained or earned, that the gift you made us to this world, different personalities, 
different life experiences, different ethnicities, different. What a gift to make this world an even better place, not just environmentally, but also socially and personally. So God, we invite you. Come, Holy Spirit of God, anew and afresh, and pour into us. Like we sang earlier, new wine, fresh wine, wine that brings life and joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness. Pour it not just in us, but pour it through us. And for that, God, we give you praise and thanksgiving and say that you are a great God. And your greatness was meant to be seen not just in your creation, but in us and through us. So we covenant with you, God, that this week we'll try to be more of who you meant us to be because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. And uh, be good. <laughs>